Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is July 12th and we are here to talk about Crimecast. So yesterday FTX claims went live. So if you were one of the poor saps who was affected by the FTX claim, lost billions of dollars, they got a portal for you where you can go and beg for your money back. Um, probably could be nicer in what I said, but you didn't listen to the rules of crypto and you didn't self-custody and you kept your money on an exchange and now you're suffering. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's all a bit strange. Gambling at high leverage on FTX and, uh, <sighs> Well, like I listened to uh, celebrities for my financial advice. Like, you did I to uh, the Kardashians, and they said uh, trust FTX, or I forget Shaquille O'Neal, uh, who all was implicated. Everybody, Steph Curry, by the way, a lot of people. Uh, the, the FTX Arena at Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the claims portal went live yesterday. Apparently, it's unavailable uh, at the moment, but uh, I just tried to bring up the website. DDoS, too many people rushing in. Yeah, I guess so. So according to FTX's page, users have until September 29th to submit their claims. Um, and then it's going to go to those very expensive lawyers that are spending $30 million a month to sort all these claims. <laughs> uh, so the firm potentially is planning to launch again. Nobody knows really what's going on. Uh, and... SBF, his first criminal trial is going to start in October. Yeah, my first thought is we need to tokenize lawyer time. Like that could <laughs> be the real uh, bull run that we spark in DeFi if we're able to kind of like, yeah, get collect yields on lawyers ahead of time. We're going to have a lot of uh, product market fit for this one. So uh, Frankie Von Drops wrote by the dip. How do I do that with SBF stock? Is it uh, is it recoverable? Can SBF make a comeback? I think, I think he'll probably be okay. Like They seem to be treating him with the kid gloves. I'd like to see him go to prison for a long time. Uh, I agree. And, and I don't think that... Uh, honestly, I don't see FTX ever coming back. But who knows? Maybe I'm uh, like uh, too naive on that one. Because mm -hmm. I don't understand how you can uh, trust FTX again. Even if it's a whole new management, like that, that name is, is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gone forever into Sam's curly hair. So hopefully people get some money back. Seems like they're kind of liquid. Seems like they've been recovering some money. Uh, I know some people that lost a lot actually in the FTX stuff. And, you know, a lot of it was just on the back of what Sam said. It was really unfortunate, you know, like all these claims that the money was safe and everything. And they were just like trying to like capture some yield by lending their assets there and got wrecked. So how much money did the lawyers get uh, out of uh, the funds there to, till now? We talked about it a few days ago, not like uh, several hundreds of millions. No. Yeah, they're getting like 30 million dollars a month. Yeah, it's it's quite a lot. Are we are we in the right profession, uh, guys? Are no. we in the right profession? No, we're not, we're not bankruptcy lawyers during a bear market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are not bankruptcy. Continuing Crimecast, 
the U.S. Justice Department has sentenced an advisor to the Silk Road to 20 years in prison. So Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, announced that Robert Thomas Clark, a.k.a. Plural of Mongoose, a.k.a. Variety Jones, a.k.a. VJ, a.k.a. Simon, uh, is going to the slammer for 20 years for conspiring to distribute massive quantities of narcotics arising out of his role as the top advisor to Ross Ulbrich, the owner and operator of the Silk Road. So uh, <laughs> they keep going into it and they put another person away. Uh, yeah, I, I need to read more about this. Um, my What I've seen of the Ross Ulbrich situation stinks to high heavens. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have a ton of faith in this one, uh, but... I don't know. We don't have Rex here today to tell us why this is good. No, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, I, I think we'd have to go back and get one of the attorneys on or something to go through the evidence. Because I know I, I've, I've read about the Ross Ulbricht stuff, and it definitely stinks. There was a lot of uh, things that were strange about it. And also, you know, like they put him away for consecutive life sentences, essentially, for for drug charges, right? Um, uh, I mean, come on, you know, it's, it's just a case of uh, like, you know, showing everyone else like uh, you want to do stuff that's out of uh, the regulators uh, control or the authorities uh, control uh, that they don't want. They're, they're going to target you. That, that's all there is. Uh, it's a scaring uh, tactic. And uh, I know we, we definitely can have some folks on that will have uh, probably a different perspective on that. But to be honest, I think that, uh, you know, he was just an easy target uh, for them to uh, grab. And uh, like, come on, to say that uh, by this, by establishing uh, the service that he did, he was the one that facilitated the, like, uh, why are uh, all uh, drug, uh, gun manufacturers uh, are not being uh, sentenced? Like, uh, right. they, they, they did not uh, use the gun, uh, like, they make the gun, and you can use the gun for uh, to, for defense or for offense. Like you do, it, you can do it for no. a good cause or a, or a better or a worse cause. You know. Yeah, I think you know we're arguing against someone who's not here. Um, but uh, the thing whenever Rex talks about why we need regulation, why regulation is good, that I feel like he might miss is some of the context of just how incredibly lacking the United States government is in credibility on this issue. Like when we see things like the Ross Ulbrich situation, uh, which was before most people were even paying attention to the space um, up through like the way they've been treating it lately. Uh, they've just got like a heavy list of original sins that they sort of have to like come clean and apologize for, in my opinion, uh, before uh, I believe that we can negotiate in good faith with the kind of entity writ large. Like I believe at some point they could turn on a dime like we could get a president kennedy or ramaswamy who is like in favor of crypto um and a lot of us are gonna be excited but the ogs are kind of given like not trust the government for good reason well the illuminati would never let that happen so uh i don't <laughs> think we'll be seeing some anti-war anti-fed anti-fbi president anytime soon uh you know the cia like we just have to murder somebody again like they usually do um so moving on, let's see what else. Do we have any other crime cast today? Uh, or Rodeo Tim Finance, cast. Yeah, Tim cast, yeah. So Rodeo Finance is attempting to uh, get the exploiter to negotiate funds. Uh, they're reaching out 
hopefully to try to get their 800,000 back. They said the rodeo finance team would like to humbly request the exploiter reach out to the team in order to negotiate return of exploited funds. They suggest a white hat payment and will avoid authorities in return for all or a portion of the funds return. This is actually a little bit funny because yesterday there was this developer guy, Ahmad, uh, I forget his first name, right? But the DOJ just brought the band hammer down on him, sentenced him to like a lot of years. And uh, they did it in part because after he stole the money, he offered to uh, send back all but 20% here, uh, which is essentially like a white hat payment. And the exchange uh, essentially flipped on him and turned him in afterwards, even though they had worked something out. So I wouldn't take too much of this, but they should return the money. And yeah, it ties right back to my point on like uh, building credibility. This is the kind of hacks that like it would be great if our law enforcement investigated. Like we as a community, I don't think of any problem with law enforcement if they wanted to step in and help out here. Mm hmm. But it ties into another headline that came up over the last 24 hours, which was, um, uh, I just had it here, um, the State Department of New York, where was, where'd that go? Uh, Damian Williams announcing the first ever criminal case involving an attack on a smart contract operated by a decentralized cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. That was a dude. Yeah. Amon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's a little bit weird. And I, I think we need to get Alex G back on because, like... They're charging him with wire fraud, but like, where's the fraud, right? This is something that like I saw some commentators talking about is that there's not really like clear rules about like manipulating oracles, right? And what that means and how you're breaking the law there. So uh, we might get some interesting defenses when they go to, wait, did they, did he plead already or was, uh, uh, good question. Alex, Alex, if you're listening, we need you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, this, uh, what was this guy? Uh, anyways, it, he'll, he'll get picked up. I mean, we should have talked about this yesterday. I think we did a little bit, but uh, I did see that story. Like, this also plays in with the Avi Eisenberg case as well, too. Is like, is the stuff that Avi did, like, is it is it fraud when you're, when you're like, just using the system as it's been coded? Um, is it a, just a highly profitable trading strategy? Yeah, it's, it's a very murky. Well, yeah, Avi is it, sitting in prison at the moment, and uh, maybe we'll get him on for an interview at some point. <laughs> I will first, uh, like, th that is not a self custody interview. You know, he's under a state custody uh, interview, it's going to be. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so, Sh uh, Shakib Ahmed was actually bailed, unlike Avi Eisenberg. So, uh, Shakib is, I believe he's out. Let me check to see what's going on with Shakib. Um, and by the way, I, while you're checking, I think that uh, the point that you guys uh, made earlier about uh, the the exploit uh, and uh, after which, like the regulators, they can choose after which guy they are uh, trying to do so. So are they going for the guys that's just easier to catch, you know? 
and not the ones most important to catch maybe like because for example I, I think what rodeo is doing when they're uh, trying to do the pretty much one of the only things that they can is pretty much to like uh, ask pretty please if they can get the money back from the hacker but either way uh, it's not it shouldn't be up to them to decide if the exploiter is uh, is to oh, yeah. be uh, prosecuted or not. Uh, this is not uh, like, uh, you know, kindergarten, uh, he did that to me. No, he did a crime. The state should go uh, after him because if it's a for sure crime, it's a, if it's a for sure exploit, it's not about whether uh, they, they, they will not involve the... That's exactly the kind of stuff that Rex was saying and in my opinion was right because uh, we can't decide that, oh, no, never mind, we're going to close it. You stole uh, millions of dollars, ah, we'll close it between us, to forget about it. No, if you did something that is an offense, you should be prosecuted for. I'm not saying it's easy at all, but uh, mm -hmm. that's the kind of stuff we should demand. Yeah, so Ahmad is released on bail, unlike Avi Eisenberg, and it was actually the IRS who caught up, which they always do. So the IRS agent Tyler Hatcher who's a special agent in charge, said, as alleged, Mr. Ahmed used his skills as a computer security engineer to steal millions of dollars. He then allegedly tried to hide the stolen funds, but his skills were no match for the IRS Criminal Investigation Cybercrimes Unit. Got to shout out your, your work. We, along with our partners at HSI and the DOJ, are at the forefront of cyber investigations. We'll track these fraudsters anywhere they try to hide and hold them accountable. So, He's charged with wire fraud. So this was uh, stealing the money from Crema Finance uh, and then also money laundering about like trying to hide it and figuring out how to put it places. So, so I remember some of his searches were like, uh, like, what was it? Like FBI or like hiding how to hide funds or something like that. We'll, we'll go find it here in a second. But he was definitely uh, doing some bad stuff. So he created two fake accounts that masqueraded as tick accounts. Uh, and that controlled the exchange data and then started using it to fraudulently cause the exchange's smart contracts to accept them as legitimate tick accounts and then generating large fees for himself that he hadn't earned. And then he took out a series of, of flash loans, uh, deposited these funds into the exchange's liquidity pools, withdrew the funds, and then claimed the fees for himself and was able to, to drain the account. Uh, and then he laundered the money allegedly through a series of transactions designed to conceal the source. Uh, this conducted about like doing bridges from the Solana blockchain over to Ethereum, exchanging fraud proceeds into Monero, and then using overseas crypto exchanges to launder the funds. So if, uh, I don't know. So <laughs> like it's really hard to launder funds in crypto unless you're North Koreans. So uh, Crema actually offered him $800,000 for the return of, of the funds, right? Uh, and Ahmad did, like, just disregarded. He said, I'm going to keep $2.5 right? And then later reduced that to $1.8 and finally $1.5. Uh, and then Crema turned him over to the feds anyways. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. So his internet search history also had stuff like DeFi hack, embezzle, how to embezzle funds, how to prove malicious intent, wire fraud, etc. cetera. Uh, so probably guilty, probably going to jail. No. <laughs> no. 
Let's get off of uh, Jailcast. We don't have any particular competency. Let's get to DeFi. Ah, uh, Jailcast, 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 Jailcast. Uh, what what is best? Is Fe- is it Fedcast is best or Jailcast? Conspiracy. I like Conspiracy Cast, but let's get back to DeFi. Uh, in yeah. good news, Ave has reached quorum on passing the Go AIP. And DeFi Advisor, I saw that you had posted about this or reposted this tweet. So Go should be available on June 15th. That is in three days at 5.30 p.m. Central European time. Wait, Central European yeah. Standard Time? Paris time. So that's like 10.30 a.m. in the States on Eastern time. Very cool. Just yeah, time I think to be the uh, talk of the town at ETCC. Aha. So uh, I... Uh, they probably uh, planned it uh, ahead in, in advance, right? Because, uh, by the way, I also saw that uh, maybe even a few hours ago, Stani tweeted that uh, Lens uh, Protocol uh, version 2 will also be uh, introduced uh, during ECC. Uh, mm. So I definitely think that uh, the guys at Ave have planned uh, this for a long time. I know that uh, the community has been waiting for Go also, I think it's probably about a year uh, now since uh, the talk about it uh, has started. And uh, quite exciting to see it. it it's exciting to see uh, like how much TVL it, will, it would attract and uh, by whom, to be honest. Because I remember from a very early stage that uh, Abe was targeting uh, institutional uh, capital as well. They, uh, I remember uh, even a few years ago reading all kinds of stuff about uh, the way they're uh, positioning themselves to onboard uh, like uh, institutional capital with uh, like... Uh, with not just only permissionless uh, DeFi, but also, uh, you know, uh, like specific DeFi within uh, like a closed circuit that can be uh, like uh, used for uh, compliance or AML or whatever. And I do think it's actually very important to onboard uh, uh, substantial uh, capital and to really get us uh, going. And I don't know if you guys uh, know it, by the way, but uh, Stani was a lawyer before he was uh, into crypto. So I think that aspect uh, is definitely uh, something uh, he's uh, putting a lot of thought into uh, when he's planning on uh, how to take Ave wherever he does. And it will be also be very exciting to see how, how Go versus uh, CRVUSD, uh, what are the differences, who's going to prefer uh, what and why, and uh, where both of them are going to be in like uh, half a year or a year from now. I think we're entering a very interesting uh, DeFi uh, time with these uh, blue chips uh, moving forward. Yeah, place your bets. Curve USD versus Go, which hits $2 first. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if it's a good thing. Is that what you want? Yeah, I've uh, I'm, I got my price target at 10. This is financial advice. uh right okay all right well crv to 10 would be great but that's a different story and by the way in case anyone was not clear that was not financial advice do not go invest in curve usd uh for like the expectations of a common enterprise and uh, whatever oh come on yeah come on otherwise it could be jail cast i'll get to interview avi from the inside yeah (laughs) uh let's see what else is happening oh yeah so as of may MakerDAO's total rwa portfolio reached a value of 2.34 billion die so at this point uh 
maker is essentially like a a bond fund, an on-chain bond fund. So RWA is made up 79% of all stabi stability fees generated by the maker protocol, up from 72.6%. So this portfolio has generated 78.5% of the total stability fees. Um, so the stability fees for MakerDAO have accumulated 17 million die year to date. And since inception, 19 million die. And to be clear, this is T-bills, right? Like T-bill yield? Yes. Yes. So 33% of the vault's asset are in zero to like in zero to one year uh, T-bills. 14% are one to three year treasury ETFs. And the remaining 53% are in zero to six months treasury ladder. So, um, I mean, it's it's not bad. Like we've been trying to figure out how to get T-bill yields on chain. And this is sort of like what's happening. What do we all think of the end game? Is it likely that it's going to, you know, boomerang back to decentralization at some point? Or are they just a you know, centralized entity at this point? Well, I have mixed thoughts on it. I mean, I, I just don't like if you're going to invest into... Um, Okay, so Maker at this point is essentially like a bond fund that has a, a non-yielding uh, note that they're providing, right? Uh, so like all of the interest that is accrued to Maker uh, comes at the risk of, of die holders essentially subsidizing the, the Maker protocol. And sure, you can deposit into the DSR or whatever, but, but all of that... That, that's a lot of risk, right? And like, it's very, now that you have $2.3 billion that's off chain, that's easily seizable by the US government. All it takes is like one rogue, not even rogue, but just like one US attorney who wants to go after Maker, right? And can freeze those assets. And then what? Like yeah. half, of, half of Maker's TVL is then frozen. And what, what happens then? Just seems like a lot of risk. Yeah, so. but also I think it has uh, the other side of that is that, uh, you know, uh, someone is going to have to build this kind of infrastructure for the institutional capital uh, to be onboarded. And I think that uh, Maker has uh, chosen that and they're uh, acting accordingly. And uh, that's their bet. For, uh, and I'm not that sure that it's, it's going to be a bad bet for them because they are uh, probably kind of leading that uh, narrative right now. Uh, no? like, are, do they have any other uh, serious competitors on that uh, front? So just you, you all might find this interesting. So in preparing for my speech on ETHCC, I um, did some polls on my Twitter account asking people, the level of decentralization of a variety of different stable coins. And what you're seeing here is a preview of the slides. Uh, this is the results. Look where die ranks. It's like exactly in the middle, 50-50 almost. Um, you know, the most centralized being the USDCs of the world, uh, the least centralized being Curve USD, LUSD. Um, and then right in the middle there, there's die. So I think this is kind of what the uh, the general user base is also like very split in this question. Yeah, I look, I don't I think like there 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 probably has to be a, a hybrid platform which bridges uh out to get real world assets. But I've always come from I I think that's the optimistic view, right? I think I've always had more of a pessimistic view about that the feds will try to shut down whatever they can 
uh, and until there's like rock solid legislation that is never going to be undone uh, it just worries me about these sort of off-chain uh, investments because it, it essentially changes it changes the structure of what the um, protocol is from a like simple on-chain issuer of stable coins like you had back in like with essentially with what li liquidity is right now right where you post up eth and you borrow a stable coin and maker ran into issues as they grew and obviously they wanted to to move outwards and grow the supply and then they ran into issues about like where do we get yield on chain and so they had they they decided to go off chain but i think at the end of the day that if you like i just think i just assume that everything's going to be like shut down at some point and the the need to have like full on-chain transparency and the ability to disconnect from any sort of off-chain value sources at the end of the day is like what makes crypto what it is and sure i mean this might be pessimistic and it might limit the total market cap of what is being built on on ethereum but it's essentially like what has been built with Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is like an unstoppable force and there's nothing that anyone can do. And, you know, the further that we get to like into D, like these like, they're not even DeFi, it's like a structured product, right? It's an on-chain bond fund. Um, the more you centralize the asset and the more the ability there is for the feds to essentially freeze those assets and cut you off, which is like the thing that you don't want to happen, especially for a stable coin that under underlies like so much of DeFi. But at least in the short term, like the feds aren't going to really want to cut off like people who are buying treasury bills. They want people buying treasury bills. No, it's okay. I think that's so at least. No, I don't. I don't agree with that. I think the no. feds the feds wanted to go after Maker. They come up with some like wire fraud or like money laundering stuff. They're not implementing KYC or AML. Like they don't know who these funds are coming from. Uh, what if North Koreans started depositing large amounts of ETH into Maker's contracts and minting die from that? Like. There's all sorts of like strange things that can happen that could give justification for the feds to come in and freeze those assets. I I get your point, uh, Sam. And honestly, I think that uh, on the action uh, side of things, I'm uh, probably doing stuff that's uh, pretty similar to that because I, I don't personally want to hold uh, too much uh, die or any kind of uh, stablecoin. I rather hold ETH. To be honest, uh, even even though it's uh, volatile, but like it's uh, it's the purest form of decentralized money uh, that I know of. Okay? Which one? Dai? The, no, ETH. Oh, ETH. Yeah, that, yeah. Dai, well, Dai is like uh, Dai is actually something that I agree with you about all the risks that it has. But I think that, uh, and again, this is just my uh, judgment and uh, opinion, and for sure, it's not something I know or uh, give as an advice. But I think that uh, in the long run. And not even that long, I think. Uh, I think it's in a few years. Uh, CBDCs, uh, like the government will issue CBDCs one way or the other. I think that uh, today we have kind of a, a, a competition between uh, the protocols on who will actually uh, earn this uh, CBDC status. And I think this is what uh, all these uh, like uh, protocols, like USDC 
or uh, die, they kind of want uh, that uh, recognition. Like you, you see the regulator side uh, as a threat, and I actually get that. But there's the other side uh, to it. Like if you get uh, the support of the regulator, they can all of a sudden become uh, huge. And uh, I think that uh, they did. They, they had a, a specific idea, like you say, something similar to liquidity once they uh, started. But in a way, they decided that that is no longer the case and their bet is on the... real world assets uh, side so i think that stable coins are going to actually be uh, like split into stable coins who actually want to comply and want to be like the new cbdc's and the one chosen by the by the authorities and on the other hand i think you're going to have all kinds of uh, other stable coins who are actually going to say oh no i'm going to be completely decentralized we're not playing this game we are uh, completely on chain for example just like lusd and uh, by the way uh, garrett on that uh, chart you showed uh, earlier like I think that CRV USD uh, won there uh, basically because it's you that posted the, the, the oh I agree tweet. 100% and, I mentioned and it, you know uh, it should be yeah. LUSD by a long slush by a long shot yeah yeah because I don't know of anything uh, that is more decentralized than uh, LUSD and uh, also that, that's like uh, the that's exactly the scaling issues of uh, LUSD as well, because you have to uh, enter some kind of uh, centralization uh, into the mix if you really want uh, like capital efficiency and stuff like that. And honestly, I think that it also raises uh, quite a lot of questions about how uh, the, this kind of a hybrid model in a way, that, the way I see it at least, that Frax says, uh, Sam, because they do use uh, something uh, which is Uh, completely uh, centralized as the basic for that collateral. I know that they put it in the curve uh, frax uh, base pool and all kinds of other places so they so it's not like uh, on a maker vault that can uh, in one click be uh, blacklisted by a circle but still it raises like uh, you know all kinds of issues on uh, what's going to happen to USDC and how, how will that affect other uh, coins or tokens that are uh, uh, backed by uh, USDC. So I do think that uh, these are all different kinds of models in which stablecoins want to play the long uh, game. And it's, uh, it, it's exciting to watch. I have no idea what's actually going to be uh, going on. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, there ha- there, there's always a trade-off, right? Uh, I just think that, that there's, you know, um, I, look, I don't think, I, I think, I think the issue with, with Maker, right, is not that they're, um, uh, investing into treasuries or bonds or something like that because I think that's I think that's natural especially when you're like a large stablecoin issuer right you want to you want to figure out how to do that I think it's more like the diversity of the returns that they have yeah. um, in that you know they, they, they've got some pretty strange uh, things that they're investing into which are not treasuries right uh, if they if they were keeping everything in short-term treasuries like what circle does it would kind of make more sense but uh, they don't So, yeah, Sam, to your earlier point, I get it. Like it's existentially risky because, as I mentioned mm-hmm. before, like the u s. government doesn't have a lot of credibility. And it's like, you know, the um the if you make a deal with a crocodile that could turn around and come and bite you. Um, so I get it. It's uh, like it could be bad. But, like, on the other hand, like if like Defi advisor is saying, if you want to start building an outreach to some of these governments, You kind of have to like show you're willing to play ball and like buying treasury bills seems like a good way of showing that maybe maybe they'll get some reciprocity who knows mm-hmm. yeah exactly so I think the 
it's it's interesting what's happening at Maker. Um, obviously, everybody's on board with it because the um, you know the funds are being distributed and and added places. So, uh, who cares where the yield comes from as long as we get yield? Well, I think it's just more disclosures, right? I know Maker's doing these disclosures, but probably a lot of people don't understand that from like a core risk perspective. So, um, but it would be like a greater balance sheet disclosures is always great. Uh, let's see. So Platypus, an avalanche DeFi-based protocol, has been exploited yet again. Uh, PeckShield posted yesterday that they had been deployed or exploited, exploited, exploited on uh, <laughs> on Avalanche. Uh, it looks like the oh man, is Twitter broken? I think Twitter broke. Stuff isn't showing up for me, but uh, quite a bit of money was taken and. I would have more information here, but Twitter's not working at the moment. Uh, let's see what else happened over the past 24 hours. Um, I think that's it. So like Celsius is taking legal action to reclaim 150 million from the staking platform. Stakehound, oh, here. The Brazilian central bank is going to launch an ERC-20 based digital currency with uh, extensive controls, but guess where they're launching it? It's going to be on ETH. All right, so how do we feel about this? <laughs> well, they're using the, the only place that you should be launching a, <laughs> a CBDC. I think it's bullish ETH because it shows that uh, ETH is the chosen uh, infrastructure, whether you want to do this or, the, or that. And that's why I'm saying that, uh, honestly, in the long run, the only form of uh, true decentralized money that I can do something with uh, that I know of is ETH. Because, uh, like, for example, with Bitcoin, uh, I don't know what I can do. Like I can only uh, like give it to someone else who has a Bitcoin. Uh, I, I don't trust it like enough to do stuff uh, with it on its own. And uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just the way I use uh, DeFi and crypto and uh, whatever. I think that uh, ETH is uh, day by day. It's getting its Lindy effect. Not, not about not, not as uh, like the most uh, appreciative asset as the asset that's going to appreciate the most uh, in price it's just the it's the most uh, what's that word mm. uh, resilient it's the most resilient uh, DeFi asset even though it's uh, volatile it's the only thing that i know that i can uh, turn to any other uh, token i want uh, at uh, any time and i'm sure that uh, i have some misconceptions on that uh, as well uh, yet for now for me, it's by far the the purest form of uh, money. Yeah. So I know that they're almost completely unlikely to listen to me or heed this advice, but to the governments out there that are considering launching CBDCs, like try considering not adding these kinds of uh, functions in there. Like you're still going to have tremendous control and power over it, and you're going to see a lot better adoption from people, in my humble opinion, if like there is not risk that your entire like network could be rugged at any point. I know they're not like can listen to like me, um, but they should. <laughs> Who knows? You're gonna be on stable summit, man. Uh, don't be so sure. You're gonna have uh, a lot of right. clout uh, from the government. Put that on a T-shirt. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, just this like it seems like one of those like basic like social contracts you can make with people. Like I um like I I like. So my thoughts on this are like fairly complex. It's like I can kind of live with the system where they can lean on retailers to 
like prohibit me from interacting with the supermarket because like I'm a evil person who has horrible views. Like I get that that's going to be the game that they're going to play. Um, but allow me, like guarantee me the freedom to transact with you, DeFi advisor, Gar or, uh, Sam, like guarantee to me that like peer to peer transactions will always be safe and honored. And I think that I would uh, buy into a CBDC no matter what other kind of external like spooky controls were attached to it. Yeah, I just like cash <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, but uh, it, would, it, it wouldn't be launched nowadays. Like they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't allow cash to come to exist if it was uh, coming up nowadays. I know. I don't think. Yeah, oh. I think the I think the the closest thing to cash on that uh, new dimension of uh, virtual uh, money is it. You know, that's yeah. kind of my. Well, cash is better because you can uh, you can yeah. trade cash without being tracked, right? Like we're. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cash has its own advantages for sure, and I agree with uh, Rex's point. Like, uh, I like cash as well. Uh, like, it's very convenient on many uh, sides of uh, things. Yet, in the long run, they are trying to eliminate cash completely. Like, yeah, uh, I just I feel like the being, I feel like they're being too greedy. They're asking to uh, eliminate cash in favor of something that has complete like uh, like transparency into all your transactions, and they can rug at any time. Like that's like giving up too much. Like they gotta throw us something. And yeah. mm -hmm. speaking on behalf of the people, we'll accept it if you give us that one bone that we will always be guaranteed to be able to transact. So uh, yeah, but but I think that's exactly the point of the story. They won't do what you say, and that's why we will always uh, have to uh, rely on ourselves to uh, come up with uh, better solutions to protect our uh, rights. And I think that's the constant uh, battle of uh, life between, uh, you know, uh, the people and uh, the people in charge. You know, it's like uh, it's not something that our generation has all of a sudden invented. This is uh, happening since the dawn of uh, mankind, I think. Uh, one, the government's going to listen to me. They're going to get it right and they're going to thank me. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely listen to you here at Leviathan. Uh, so. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, and uh, we will have a bunch of new DeFi and uh, non-DeFi news, JoeCast, ConspiracyCast. Ah, by the way, Nick uh, from uh, Arbitrum should come tomorrow, no? Oh, yeah. Oh, we have a special guest. Oh, yeah, Nick, coming back from, from Arbitrum. Yeah, I think he has something uh, he wants to uh, share with uh, the audience. So it's kind of interesting. I'm excited maybe, about it. Maybe we're well. just going to talk idea. NFTs. We're going to talk like uh, talk art NFTs for a while. So <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> That's where we are. Okay. Thank you, Squid and Squidettes, for tuning in. We will arise from the depths and return tomorrow. Goodbye, guys. <laughs>